Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, no profit transaction that has hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is to create a shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Marika, who work in the sustainable finance solutions across the Asia-Pacific. So for today, before we dive in, we wanted to announce that we will have a special guest on the podcast today. We will introduce him in a bit, so stay tuned. Welcome, Nick. Hello. Welcome to another episode of our monthly podcast. What do you have to tell us for the last month on general like headlines and events and whatever has caught your eye you would like to highlight. Thank you. Thank you, Marika. And I, I almost can't contain myself on the excitement with the guest speaker. We'll have to figure out how we do autograph podcast coming up. So we'll, yeah, we'll build the suspense there. But look, it's been another really busy period. As we're recording this, we're almost we're almost into April. So a, a super big uh, first quarter with plenty of things happening in the market and I'll Try and draw out some of the most relevant headlines and things that we've seen as we normally do, although it's getting harder and harder to try and summarize all the different things that are happening. But let's let's give it a go. So the first thing that really caught my eye was just the quantum of labeled loans, green, sustainability linked or other formats getting done in Europe. The AFME in Europe released some stats for 2021. Almost 24% of refinancing or new loans were, were in a, a labelled format. That's absolutely remarkable compared to where we were a few years ago and sort of evidences that such continued growth on that link side, particularly on loans. We saw that increase to you know between three and 400 billion last year and possibly the loan link side will be more than green bonds this year i'm having a bet with someone on that so let's see how that works out so that really jumped out the other thing was just the the ongoing stories about the forecasts and there's always a new number getting put out there for next year but at least in terms of our business what we see you have really good momentum across geographically particularly in asia pacific where we're based and a number of other positive developments um, globally so we normally don't get a chance to dig into those forecasts too much but look they're all positive and i guess there might be a few speed humps along the road this year with wars going on in part of the world and other related issues but just all really good momentum that we see at the moment the nuclear and gas debate has just continued um, under the EU taxonomy and pretty much been finalised in terms of that. So we won't delve into that too much. But again, just to flag that we are aware of it, it keeps jumping out articles or just emerge again to sort of re-debate that. An interesting report that comes out every year, and we would encourage any listener to check it out, it's the Environmental Finance Year in Review Summary Report. And sustainability is just a bit of a a self-promo here. We try and give as much value we can through the podcast, but the occasional self-promotion we uh, we must do as well was that our uh, market share is still number one in the market and close to 30% across the SPOs globally. So we thank our listeners, many of which are our customers and, and corporates and banks and other intermediaries that we work with. We thank you for the confidence placed in us to provide opinions for you know very important transactions as we go. Lots of other good info in that report. So check out Environmental Finance and their portal, and particularly that report which came out. A couple of articles about the ongoing sovereign boon in, or boom, I should say, for, for green bonds post-COP26. 
Hopefully, we'll see more rights spread right throughout globally as well as in APAC. We also saw a little bit more talk of uh, of blue bonds, and IFCs recently come out with an updated set of principles for that. So do check those out. Ongoing debate about you know transition bonds as a pure use of proceeds approach is that better than what's taking the limelight at the moment, the sustainability linked instruments. So ongoing various articles about those was an interesting development that we have seen. What else have we got here? Lots of talk about ongoing scope three emissions. It's something that we, I wouldn't say grapple with, but need to be cognizant of when we're working with banks and corporates to the extent that those need to be in the linked loans or linked uh, linked bonds and some of the supply chain work that we're doing and developing and making sure that some of those scope three O's, uh, scope threes, I should say, over time can be can be sort of mapped. So that's an ongoing issue that we are seeing. A little bit more on carbon markets, and I think we're really going to see a step change over the remainder of this year. You know, offsets have been a bit of the Wild West to date, but with what we saw in COP26 and and some of the various articles and, and cross-border arrangements, I think we're going to start to see that done at scale between countries and just a lot more emphasis and a lot more detailed approach to that. So let's let's see how carbon markets develop. We need all the tools we can and preferably robust tools to, to hit decarbonisation targets, which is super important. What else have we got here? Ongoing news for the ISSB, the International Sustainability Standards Board, which we saw formed around COP as well to really drive harmonization of sustainability standards. So let's see how that goes. Really looking forward to seeing other harmonization and ongoing developments there, because the more information that's in the public domain, done in a comparable way, done in a harmonized way, just paves the way nicely for more transactions to be done on the link space and ambition easier to compare when you're looking at companies as one better than the other. Uh, how does that uh, that relate? So a couple of things are there. A, a pretty interesting article, one that was a little emotive, I thought was a little bit of a challenge to, to and directed at the science-based target initiative in terms of how they create some of their targets and sign off on various decarbonisation plans that corporates have. So do check that out. At the end of the day, there's no perfect model for some of these things. They are getting more and more complex. And we certainly take our SBTI Transition Pathway Initiative as very key tools to look at and more increasingly so for the banks in terms of their finance emissions, things like PCAF, um, things like PACTA and things like Science-Based Target Initiative, the FI section on that. So so a little bit of challenge thrown around on those. I think that's good. Scrutiny is always good to launch against a, a fast-growing market to keep everyone on the same page. A little bit of news on the EU GBS, uh, Green Bond Standard. We'll see when that comes out later in the year. More ongoing talk about the various greeniums or sociums associated with green bonds or social bonds. The greenium ones, I think we've got this racked up for our next podcast or for those who haven't seen, CBI. Climate Bonds Initiative came out with a, probably one of the best reports over the last six months, and they do that periodically on greeniums identified for, for green bond issuances. So do check that out. But there's been quite a few quite a few articles about that and becoming more prevalent, which is great because that's how it should be over time. And then a couple of reports. The Climate Bond Initiative has been very busy as usual, and we'd highly encourage anyone. Uh, environmental Finance, we look at you know a lot of great articles that they have on their site, and then the Climate Bond Initiative you know, excellent papers constantly coming out. And there was a really good paper on a China transition report that's got lots of interesting aspects compared to and contrasted in the Chinese context, but actually more broadly, a comments on various tools, 
comments on various approaches. So do check that out. And the other thing to note from the Climate Bond Initiative was the first set of what we call hard to abate sector criteria, more of a transition type lens for cement was released in a really interesting way that the Climate Bond Initiative run run through that. So well worth checking out. So certainly a big month, Marika, yet, yet again. And they were some of the headlines and highlights that really jumped out. Thanks, Nick. So I would say get the drum roll ready. We are moving to our special segment. So, <laughs> okay. so for today, what we have planned is that we wanted to announce that we just launched our impact reporting offering from Sustainalytics for use of proceeds bonds. So we will still do like the annual reviews for use of proceeds. We are also doing the SBOs on SLL and SLBs. So this is like a new additional product. And what we do here is we take the raw data and we calculate the impact for different ESG topics like renewable energy, green buildings or clean transportation, for example. And those results, they all get put into, at least my opinion, very good looking report with lots of impact graphics, which are easy to understand. And for that, we have invited our special guest. So welcome, Simon Beckland. He's working in the impact reporting part of Sustainalytics, and he can tell us more about this initiative. Hi, Simon. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hi, Simon. I'll jump in there too, because I think I've got a set of questions to work through with you, and we might refer to you as the chief of impact reporting and, and being a crucial link in terms of that segment of our business and, and really look forward to seeing that develop over time. But just to really go over a couple of fundamentals, and I think it's really good timing that we've uh, launched this product, so look forward to hearing a little bit more about it. And I think our listeners will find this as a great reference because we've even seen this year recent reports from Nordic groups, from environmental finance, the ongoing need for greater quantification of use of proceeds and linked instruments and the growing sophistication of what should be getting in included in reports, the quantification of that, really driving the impact, which is what all of these labelled products are for and what we really talk about these markets for has to be about the impact showing that and generating that. So this fits really nicely into into that trend. So welcome again, Simon, and maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, what is this service that we've launched? Basically, how does it work? Basically, through the SPOs and stuff, the clients, as you said, they commit to report yearly afterwards about their impact. And uh, what happened was that some of our clients, they were asking for help. Like, well, how do we calculate uh, these KPIs and could you assist us with doing it? And that's how the project came to be. And so far, it's primarily uh, the greenhouse gas avoidance. But there's also like other metrics uh, growing in because, as you said, there's a demand in the market for standardized metrics. And to go beyond just the carbon footprint of an investment, but actually compare that to a baseline to what would have happened to get the avoidance yeah. which is actually the impact yeah exactly and i think that's just on use of proceeds for the time being and then possibly in the future we'll go into more adventurous areas and linked instruments and some of the more intricate social use of proceeds is, is that right simon yeah that's right like we've we've started with the, the low-hanging fruit in a sense because there are established market practices for a lot of these like renewable energy there are standards we can follow and uh, us as sustainalytics and an impact team specifically will definitely keep up to date that to always stay on edge for the latest market developments but also we're we're reaching like use of proceeds where there isn't really that there are no established metric no established way of measuring impact so 
they were more on, on sort of the cutting edge of things, especially when it comes to to social and uh, yeah, and those sort of things. Sure. So breaking uh, breaking some new ground, literally, on that, which is great to hear. And then, if you wouldn't mind telling us and our listeners, Simon, in a nutshell, what are the key benefit or benefits of our approach to this? So the the benefit of of us doing it, like some some issuers, they do this themselves and they can and. Some don't know how to do it, so there would obviously be a benefit of our assistance if they don't have the competency on board. But there's been surveys of investors and through environmental finance, I think that's the report you even mentioned, where yeah. what the market wants, what the investor wants is like to have consistent reporting and like consistent methodology. So what we provide is, you know, we do that sort of, we have a consistent methodology, so and we are transparent about it so that it would be like easy for investors to to see how we did it and also they'll know that okay we follow the recommendations from the biggest actors like ICMA in terms of reporting so that so they'll get that consistency and also a lot of issuers they actually appreciate we've had clients who they could do part of it at least themselves but they appreciate having the sustainalytics brand as as part of their report yeah and having having i guess a third party and someone who specializes in this area. Yeah. Very relevant. Okay. And then I guess the follow-up question would be, um, and we'll put this for our listeners in the in the show notes, would be you, you actually wrote a blog, which was a good read a couple of weeks ago, Simon. And was there anything you wanted to highlight in relation to that blog and the, you know, really the key things that this enables or, or the really key relevant aspects for our uh, listeners, particularly the sort of conclusion part of that blog, I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, because it wasn't just about this product we're launching, but it was a bit like forward-looking, as you said. And like, I think at the core of it, from an investor's point of view, a green bond or a non-green bond, it's basically like a binary choice. It's like, yeah, it's green, and no, it's not. And when in other decisions that the investor would make, like imagine for return or for risk, if that was a binary choice, they wouldn't accept that. Like, yes, this is risky or it's not risky or it's profitable or not profitable. It would be like, that's not enough information for an investor currently when it comes to risk and return. And, you know, in the future, that's where we have to get with impact too, where it's not just a binary choice of green or non-green or even like, four grades or five stars that like but actually like you be being able to optimize your portfolio for yeah. impact like to know yeah this is very impactful this is less so or to rank them basically in a in a consistent and trustworthy way yeah shades of impact possibly so very good well look thank you simon for going through those points and, and maybe just to round off this mini interview and chat was there anything that you wanted to share just in relation to kind of the future of this particular service or looking out to more the future of impact reporting, what we might see in the next next six to 12 months, anything you wanted to highlight in that regard? I think, yeah, possibly like the developments that we will see in social because currently for green and for climate change, you have this sort of overarching metric of greenhouse gas emissions or greenhouse gas avoidance specifically. For social, we're not there yet. How do you compare a hospital to a school? Like, which is the most impactful given a, a limited amount of resources for those two things? That's what we're developing now. So, so stay tuned for, for, for metrics like that. 
Very good, very good. All right, well, thank you for being a special guest today, uh, Simon. We hope that the suspense building was well worth it and we look forward to working (laughs) with you more and hopefully for our listeners. And please, we invite everyone on the issuance side, on the bank side, please come and talk to us about different things we can do for impact reporting and your reviews. It is important, it is expected and a crucial part of the market. However you do that, pre-issuance is important, but then the ongoing driving of impact, mapping of impact, ongoing impact yeah, is really crucial to these markets and the ongoing success of those markets. So thanks again, Simon, and we'll see you hopefully pretty soon. Will do. Thanks, Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Simon, for joining us. You're welcome. Let's keep moving through and back to our normal sort of agenda. We've actually changed up. I can't remember if we did that last podcast or this is the first one, but we've just changed the order recently and we'll sort of highlight the linked instruments first and then we'll get into the use of proceeds second rather than the other way around. So over to you, Marika, SLBs. What's been going on? What's caught your eye? Thanks, Nick. Yeah, there have been a few interesting ones. I mean, I won't talk about all of them. But the ones which I would like to highlight is, for example, there was Globo from Brazil. It's like a conglomerate. They have done a 400 million sustainability linked bond. And the KPIs were around their absolute scope one, two and three GHG emissions. They want to reduce that by 15% or more by 2026 against the 2019 baseline. Then another SLB, which was really good to see and which I very much like to see. And it actually comes from Simon's home country. So he might be following that too is that we have seen the first municipal coming to the to the market. It's Helsingborg. They did a sustainability-linked bond. And for everyone who is asking themselves now, where the hell is Helsingborg? So it's a city in the south of Sweden, very close to the border of Denmark. And basically what Helsingborg did is they have annual targets, which are requiring the city to reduce the absolute greenhouse gas emission in line with 2035 net zero emission goal. So I would say in comparison, they are quite early that they want to become net zero. It's 2035, not like the usual 250, what we normally hear. And the city, if the city fails to achieve this target, then the bond will be subject to an interest rate step up or higher, basically the, the usual structure, what we normally know. What is also interesting about that transaction is that the city has already reduced their emission by more than half since 1990. So they are busy on that topic already for quite a while. But in order to become net zero by 2035, they said they need to reduce the the emissions at a faster uh, reduction rate. And this SLB with the respective targets will help them. So do check out this transaction in case that's of interest. Elsewhere, moving to North America, we have seen Tamarack Valley Energy. This is like a Canadian oil and gas company. Um, they've raised 200 million for private placement sustainability linked bond. Um, their target was to reduce scope one and two emissions in measured in intensity. And they said they want to decrease it by 39%. And also they had some KPI around indigenous workforce participation. So to increase that over the near term. Generally sounds good. What I was missing in this transaction was I couldn't find anything talking about scope three. Normally, like for oil and gas, scope three is quite big. So it would have been interesting to see if they are addressing um, also scope three, despite scope one and two. But generally, yeah, we're seeing more, more of those hard to abate sectors coming to that market. Then from the pharma sector, 
There was Fis Pharma. It's an Italian-based company. Sustainalytics is proud to have done the, the SBO on that. What they have done was that they have three targets for 2026. Again, reducing absolute scope one and two emissions. I mean, this is the the no-brainer for almost all SLBs we're seeing in the market. But what was interesting is KPI 2 is around reducing freshwater consumption. And the third one was around reducing the share of waste sent to external disposal as opposed to recycling. That was also good to see. And then last but not least, some activity out of Asia. There was a Japanese company called Toda. They're in the construction business. They have come with their SLB debut. They have done green bonds already in the past, if I remember correctly. And now they have come up with an SLB also around reducing scope one and two emissions by 42% and also reducing scope three emissions by 25% until 2030 compared to 2020 levels. And if they don't achieve those targets, then the coupon will adjust for, I think, 0.1% or 0.05. So this is the amount they're adjusting it. So basically, that's it, Nick, of all the transactions I wanted to highlight. Was there anything in the SLL space you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, thanks, Marika. So a, a few that I'll highlight, again, as probably most of our listeners know and market participants, some of the the data, the specific targets connected to the SLL side of things, a little bit harder to obtain because sometimes that's only disclosed to the participating banks, which we understand. So I'll give a broad brush approach. I think it'd be fair to say that GHG emissions reductions sort of dominate the landscape still with a few other bits and pieces thrown in. So let's just whip through. And I think it's probably more telling and more interesting to look at the types of industries doing these instruments. There's a couple of common ones like property, but more and more there's different types coming to market. And I think that's probably more instructive for our listeners than than sometimes just only looking and considering at the KPIs consider both sides, who's coming to market and then what they're actually doing. Yeah, also important. Arubus. Oh my God, it's going to be uh, one of those days again. Lots of tricky names, so I'll try and say these correctly. <laughs> um, Arubus, sustainability link loan connected to an ESG risk rating of another provider. Again, that part of the market is still there. And we know that the ESG risk ratings, ESG ratings approach versus a KPI approach, it represents a different way of doing it, a more holistic assessment. And that works for for some customers, but a few different ways to do SLLs, as we know. Property continued to be a mainstay, both on use of proceeds and and obviously on the linked loan side, ESR, a REIT in Asia did um, did a transaction. Europa Capital also did a transaction, I believe focused around GHGs. Lend Lease um, as well, a property uh, company in Australia, very global as well, was active, connected to GHGs as well. C-SPAN, who some of you may have come across before, Sustainalytics has worked with them a number of times and they've gone to market in a variety of formats, both SLL, SLB and Transition. So they've certainly looked at multiple instruments across the spectrum for sustainable finance and on the shipping side of things, looking at carbon intensities in line with international maritime organization trajectories um, there. Sell Next, or Sell Next, a telco, and this really highlights an enormous amount of telco IT data center type names coming to market in both use of proceeds and, and linked and linked formats, both loans and bonds. So again, connected around GHG reduction and also some gender, um, some gender targets, which are great to see. And as Simon mentioned before, 
and Marika also mentioned on some of the other transactions, you know, really good to see more social, to see more issues around gender and broaden, let's say beyond carbon. Decarbonisation, very important, but there's lots of other things as well. Okay, Seafood Company also came to market. Phaser, I'm going to, or Phaser, however you say that in a, in a Finnish accent, came to market and again, focusing on, on GHG reduction and also some um, avoidable food production loss, which is a pretty big issue for some of these, let's say, agri food connected sectors. So we've seen a little bit of action through Thai Union on the link side, both loans and bonds, and good to see more companies coming to market. Okay, a couple more. Biffa. So Biffa is a chemicals related company. Again, launched a transaction connected to GHG emissions and a recycling metric as well. And just a bit of a call out to the Climate Bond Initiative, in addition to their sector criteria for cement, are also launching a chemicals set of criteria. I think that'll come out towards the end of March. Possibly that might have passed by the time this goes to air, but do check that out because chemicals, I think, are one of the very, very sweet spots that needs to come to market. They haven't really been very active. We've seen a couple of things on the use of proceeds, but having some more market reference points is really going to stimulate both that link side as well. And last but not least, a little bit more shipping on Yu, Yu Ming Marine in Taiwan, and I believe focused around IMO decarbonisation targets as well. So a bit of an interesting combination of, of names there for this uh, recent period. Thanks, Nick. That was pretty interesting from the SLL segment as well. I know you have interviewed Simon already, but we have also our usual segment with the questions. We can't forget about our listeners because they also keep the questions coming, which is great. So we have picked another two questions, which I would like to highlight to you, Nick, and you can share your thoughts on that. So the first one, so it's basically around sustainable supply chain. So I think it came from a bank asking what can basically be done and what would be the options around sustainable supply chain. And like, basically, I think they were wondering how can Sustainalytics be of help here when it comes down to that topic? Yeah, thanks. And please, our listeners, keep coming in with the questions. The occasional easier question would be nice, by the way, too, but that's okay. We'll, we'll try and cover what we can. A lot of the questions we get, we could probably do a podcast and a whole episode just answering that question. But I'll give the super compact answer to uh, to a few of these questions and we'll see how that goes. But yeah, look, I think sustainable supply chain is rapidly growing in terms of conversations and interests, both from corporates and, and banks. In terms of what we can provide, I'd break it up into two main streams of work. The first one is around labelling a supply chain as being green, and that's about eligibility. Is what you're financing under that supply chain trade facility? Is it wind turbines? Is it eligible aspects that support or that go into, into green? That'd be the first one. So the ability for us to work with a bank to sign off at a level that products are then connected to that of a green flavor. Then the other side is, is probably developing faster, and that's more on the link side. So as we know, we've just gone through a whole bunch of KPI types, banks coming to us for individual transactions and saying, hey, what about this import facility? What about this export facility? We'd like to embed a sustainability-based KPI on that and drive some pricing off it if targets are met or not met. So that's something we can do as a sustainability-linked loan connected to contingents or, or funded instruments on that trade side. And probably the more faster-growing and interesting part is now we've developed a whole range of services to rate companies in a 
in a lighter touch way that are either SMEs and MMEs. So come and talk to us about that. But what we're seeing briefly is across the market, if a bank doesn't want to label something green in supply chain or they don't want to do a direct KPI link purely on a buyer, is to kind of push the buyer to one side and say, all right, buyer, let's have a look at, test the temperature of, rate your suppliers, aggregate the score, and then embed that in some sort of trade structure. So we've got some tools on how to do that, which are proving quite popular with corporates as they want to understand their value chains more, and then banks wanting to reward corporates as they change behavior, drive improvement across that supply chain in one common single currency of risk is if you like is an ESG risk rating that we can provide in a in a lower touch way across that. So that's a whole lot to take in very briefly, but three main streams there and we can support banks and, and corporates on all of those. Thanks, Nick. I hope that was helpful for our listeners. Moving to the second question, someone is asking about linked guarantees and linked deposits and what our thoughts are on these types of products. Yeah, so I think you know, some products can more easily be labeled as green and fit into a use of proceeds mold. Certainly deposits have been done that way. Guarantees a little bit more problematic given the, the underlying structure of those. But it's a great question and a timely question because we actually have seen good examples of both of these things recently. So as banks seek to embed more sustainability aspects in different products they have, we're going to see more developments in this area. So recently, or last month or the month before on the podcast, our listeners may remember we talked about a John Holland deal in Australia, an engineering company, lots of guarantees needed to support their business model. And then the guarantee line, which, which is availed to them by various banks in Australia, was connected to some sustainability targets. So going forward, I guess if they're met, then they'll get some discounts on the new guarantees that they issue. So you know, a very good product in a way to integrate sustainability into different types of instruments because not all companies have big chunky loans. Some of them have more contingent type structures reflecting their business nature of which engineering and construction, that's that's pretty common. Um, on the link side, we've seen an interesting one, possibly late last year, Exelum in the US working with a the bank there had some deposits um, and the interest rates would get adjusted on that depending on the ability to meet targets or otherwise. So really good question. We're seeing action on both of those and we really hope we, we continue to see more. Personally, I'm a little surprised we haven't seen more on those. The thinking is a bit different if you're using a contingent instrument and then obviously deposits work a little bit differently to a, to a loan with moving balances and those sorts of things. But we think sustainability can be and links therein can be embedded into those products and we'll continue to see more. So uh, yeah, watch this space for sure. Thanks, Nick, for those long answers. I'm sure the listeners found them helpful. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but let's move on to the next segment. We haven't talked about the use of proceeds instruments yet. So why don't we kick it off with the green bonds? And you can give us a, the highlights of the green bond market, what we have seen over the last month. Yeah, and I'll give sort of the broad brush strokes on these as well. As I mentioned before in the opening sort of comments and news, there's a real significant increase post COP26 around sovereign issuances. We've seen Pakistan being interested in an issuance. We've actually worked with Chile directly on their linked sovereign bond, and I think we'll see more of those. We've seen Bolivia come to market, Philippines, Hong Kong, Singapore announced some intentions to, to issue as well, Saudi with some sovereign funds, City of London, the list goes on. So that, let's say, sovereign and sub-sovereign space right across the spectrum of use of proceeds, sustainability, both green, 
mainly, and some other social elements, you know, be very strong. India as well, I forgot to mention. We've seen some sub-sovereigns as well. T-Corp in Australia, a frequent issuer, as I mentioned before, City of uh, City of London. So that part of the market continues to grow strongly and is a really good way to have a look at different things that they're funding as they're quite broad in nature, those frameworks. The banks then are, are a key sort of segment. We've seen DBJ go to market. We've also seen Spa, Banken, IDB, Nordic Bank, Central American Bank, Bank of China, and the list goes on. And again, they're really good ways. I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast. For those maybe less familiar with these markets, the banks and the sovereigns have probably the broadest frameworks about all different aspects, mainly of green, but lots of different social things and are really good references to to have a bit of a look at the different things that can be financed. There's a couple of other banks, but I won't mention them or I'll take uh, I'll take uh, take too long. Then the other th- sort of third chunk or mainstay of the market is renewables. And we've continued to see pretty good flow of those from some um, either pure play companies, some utilities, different types of entities there being active in the market. Then also property, probably the fourth mainstay, which we won't go through. Quad Real, Ditta Bond, DZ Hype, Longwood Gardens, and a few others coming to market. So property continues to, to feature. If you look then more broadly across, and diversification is incredibly important in these markets, both from a product, a geography, and a sector perspective. Some car leasing, again, presumably for clean transportation or hydrogen or electric vehicles or hybrids with a, under a certain threshold for the UK, um, for Zenith, raised a bond, Kia Auto in Korea. As I mentioned before, plenty of action on the telco slash IT slash data center sort of side. And on that part of things, we saw a little bit of a reference to, to Alibaba there. We saw LSR, we saw Verizon tap the market again. The only other thing I wanted to mention today was just a couple more types of issuers we're seeing come to market. And it's interesting that there's a bit of an undertone and trend of more funds coming to market. So we have a slightly different approach to funds, or we can do a normal SPO for funds if they're raising the normal stock standards, you know, bond or loan bonds in this case. NN Group we worked with, Sanguine Impact we worked with, IA Group came to market. So lots of different funds doing lots of different things both on the link side, but as a specific reference here on, um, on the use of proceeds side. So yeah, plenty happening on that part of the market. And what about the green loans? Any room or any time for green loans to happen amongst all that activity? Yes, like there, there was activity in the green loan space, but not as busy as in the green bond space, I would say. So I will keep my part a bit shorter and just highlighting some which I found interesting. So there was, for example, Hyundai. For Innovation Center. So they signed a sing dollar denominated green loan. That Innovation Center is also based in Singapore. What they're planning with that is once it is completed, I think by the end of the year or something, this center will undertake electric vehicle, urban air mobility research, development, R&D stuff. I think they're also planning like some sort of smart manufacturing platform. So all sorts of things around those like technology for those types of vehicles. Quite an interesting one I found. I think there are a few of them, but yeah, I wanted to highlight the the Hyundai one. And then we have also seen some pure play activity. There were, for example, EUS investment management. 
They did together with Capital Dynamics. They signed a green loan and also the French renewable energy firm uh, Valorem. They also signed like a smaller green loan. So also some, some activity in that pure play space. And then last but not least, I found interesting that Unicredit, they have signed a green loan for student housing. So I always like the stuff on the social side when there is activity. So I wanted to highlight that one as well. But speaking of that, yeah, over to you, Nick, for any other activity dedicated to the social bond or loan side. Yeah, a couple of brief ones. And as we know, a lot of the social side of things gets incorporated more into sustainability bonds. And we tend to cover sustainability bonds in the other sections of the podcast, almost with the lumped in with the green. (laughs) Maybe we should make that clearer, but social is still called out and labelled in its own right too, but maybe not at the scale. So a couple of things. CAFIL in France, which is a, an agency there, went to the markets again, access to essential services and those sorts of things that, uh, that they want to finance. And also Vonovia. That sounds like a wine or, uh, or something with various social categories also going to market. And we know that the main categories are SME financing, microfinancing, affordable housing, infrastructure, those sort of things are pretty common on that social side. So to label products, Marika, we talked a little bit before about deposits and guarantees and sorts of things. Have we seen more of those as well at a product level and anything else you've noticed? Yeah, Nick, there have been a couple of transactions. And given that one of the listeners was asking about like the deposits and stuff, I would like to highlight that there was activity in the Philippines from Resale Commercial Banking, short form RCBC. Sounds similar to a lot of other short form name banks. And basically what they have done is they came up with green time deposit for like short term, as our listeners might know. So they, they are clients have the option from 30 days to up to one year to invest in those and depositors funds. They will be only used to support the bank's assets portfolio for stuff like renewable energy, pollution prevention, energy efficiency, water management and, and clean transportation. So quite good to see that activity coming out of the Philippines, I would say that those banks doing those kinds of innovative things. Then what else have we seen? There was in Australia, also CBA. I mean, I I don't know how new that is, but basically what CBA has done is something on the ESG term deposit side, also on the green repurchasement agreement. So we know that under repos and on green development Loan. So that would be another example for those types of instruments. And then staying in Down Under, there was BNZ, the New Zealand bank, who has executed its first ESG link derivative in the market together with MetLife Care, which is a um, like an aged care provider, so to say. So Nick, to finish that off, anything else basically on the transition side or in terms of countries, regulations, so anything to round up? What you would like to to mention before we finish off, please shoot ahead now. Yeah, for sure. So a couple of things. Transition, a couple of transactions, and we'd encourage our listeners to check them out um, in Japan, one for chemicals, but also one for gas. Transition's always a little bit topical. The use of proceeds, is it used for something really robust, really deep, really credible? Is it used for something a bit more BAU? Do check those ones out. We also worked on, speaking of Japan, who are quite progressive on transition bond for Japan Airlines. So definitely check that one out. 
to fund new fuel-efficient airline and a very interesting way that that was put together. And also a little bit of news via environmental finance about Eden Tree launching a transition sort of impact fund. So I think we're going to see this really grow and then spill over to many more transactions that are getting done on a use of proceeds, really specific funding lens type of structure. So those just a couple of highlights there. Just to really finish off then, in terms of countries and regulation, we're a little bit biased in this segment being in the in a lot of the action in, in APAC, but lots happening in India almost every day. Talk about the Indian coming sovereign that's been announced, lots of changes in the recent budget there. The Philippines looking to do more progressive things through the central bank there. Japan, we talked about that. Uh, transition flavor before Singapore wanting to get on the map more and more in terms of its own issuance and drive the market a bit more Asia in general just more activity and how impactful that uh, that can be and last but not least um, plenty happening in Latin America which probably shares some similarities to APAC in terms of a real variety of markets a real different flavor of economies economic stages social issues green issues broader sustainability challenges so yeah just a couple of themes that we're noting there but really good we're seeing diversification across more markets more products and more sectors and more geographies is super key to the overall success and longer term of the market. So, yeah, what a month. Again, we should do these every week, but we try and do the one month to give the lowdown, but plenty happening. <laughs> Thanks so much, Nick. It was really helpful. With that, let's finish off because that's about all the time we have for today. So, as always, links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode They can be found either on our website under the links for the podcast, or you can also follow us on our LinkedIn or Twitter under at Sustainalytics and do continue to send us the questions. Thanks again for tuning in and we're looking forward to next time. 